0: The crazy thing is you go to the golf course and you see people that have paid thousands of dollars for their golf equipment. They're dripped out in a perfect fit. And then you see the glove that they're using and it has a hole in it. It's brown and it was it originally was a white glove. And you're saying so you spent like three thousand dollars on everything, but you didn't have time to
1: buy a twenty dollar golf glove. The round is not the same.
2: It's ruined.
1: It's ruined. I got one more thing to add too. all you golf hipsters out there. Yeah, you know I'm talking to.
2: Yeah, you bristly ass, mustache, face. Cold brew drinking. Long cut tobacco smoking. Seltzer having. Oh, y'all, you know
1: exactly who I'm talking to. You think you dress better than us? Prove it. Because Red Rooster got hella colors. You can find one that matches your outfit right now. And if you post up on the gram and you got a crusty glove, I'm calling you out and I'm going to direct you to Red Rooster
2: because shame on you. Shame. Shame. We're going to septa Unella, go shame on your asses if we see you with crusty gloves. Yes. But now you should match
1: that glove with them foot joys. Match your dickies with your glove. Match your tee with your glove. Match your hat with your glove. You can do that. Thank you to Red Rooster. You should be thanking them.
2: We, we thank them.
0: We do. Head over to redroostergolf.com and use our code GGT20 for 20% off your first order. There's another side to good
2: health, and that's good mental
3: health.
2: So wait, you said Austria is the next film festival?
3: Yes. Yeah, I leave for Vienna tomorrow. So,
2: and what is like what is the schedule of a film festival for somebody who has a film in the festival?
3: Uh, it's it varies. There's usually short films that are being shown and feature length films. Uh, like in Austria, there's mostly short films, there's only four features. So, we were honestly shocked that as a golf film in Austria, we got accepted. Uh, but usually the feature films are shown at night. Uh, you get to watch whatever you want to watch as, as a talent in the films. And then usually there's an award ceremony at the end or a reception.
1: Vienna is a big one too. Like Vienna is not a, it's not a small film festival.
3: Yeah. We're pleasantly surprised at the success we've been, we've been gaining through this festival route, but I think it's nice to see the feedback for a film of a, of a woman's in sports film. That's really the the nice thing to see.
1: We love to see it. We love it. Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
0: How long is the tour after that, um, after after Venice?
3: So we have been on this film festival route for about since March and we'll ride it out for the rest of this year and then probably distribute the film early next year. Probably a small theatrical release, top cities in the U.S. and then streaming.
2: Wow. That's That's so exciting. Remind us. So I guess we should, we should set this up. We should uh, get, give, give folks some payoff. So this is for playing through the new movie that you're co-starring in, which is so cool. I guess like, can you share a little bit about that film and like the premise of it and what people can expect?
3: So our screenwriter, Curtis in 1992 uh, came across an article. Someone told him about an article that was written about his mother uh, and a match she played against Anne Gregory. And Ann Gregory was the first black woman to break barriers in the USGA and went on to have a stellar career in golf. And Curtis didn't know anything about this part of his mother's life. So he just decided to write a fictionalized version of what he believed to have happened in that match. Uh, So I'm playing a character based on his mother. And uh, Ann Gregory is my opponent in the tournament. And the story follows our lives and how we kind of end up with an interesting and well, I'm not going to ruin the movie for you, but <laughs> relationship between two competitors, two fierce female competitors in the 1950s in golf. That's
1: so dope. One, one thing I do know about Ann Gregory, uh, i S I've seen the photo of her in front of her trophy case. She won over 400 professional tournaments. That's insane. Wild.
3: And do you know that she didn't start golfing until she was forty?
1: What in the world? Oh my! Fucking bonkers! (laughs) Do they make humans like that anymore?
3: (laughs) I don't know because guys, I started playing and and practicing for the film with my clubs, and then I get there and they're like, "Here's your authentic 1950s (laughs) wooden (laughs)
1: shaft." (laughs) (laughs) They gave me butter this, knives. Yeah, you're, the you're mashies like
2: Callaway Big Bertha, like 2012 yes. clubs. Yeah, and i was like, like no, no, no.
3: <laughs> yeah, this I felt so piece. confident the first day, and then they handed that to me, and I was like, "Oh, that sweet spot is much tinier than mine."
2: <laughs> here's your here's your niblick and your mashie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. That is so funny. So, so did golf come into your life for this film, or had you played before?
3: It's so interesting. It feels like such a full circle moment for me because when I was young, I was like seven when my dad signed me up for lessons at our country club. And I have two older brothers and I love holding this over their head because the golf pros came up to my father and said, your natural athlete is your daughter. Mm. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) there
2: we go. That's juicy. That's got a sting.
3: And my dad begged me to pursue golf. But at that point I had already fallen in love with singing and dancing and acting and had to pick and choose my extracurriculars. And also to be honest with you, never really saw other women playing golf. So it wasn't something that I thought Mm. was something I should pursue. Cause I was going to play with my dad. That was great. I am very close with him, but to me, I didn't see much of anything beyond that at that age. Um, fast forward to about three or four years ago, I realized what a business asset playing golf is as a woman, especially in a, right. in a male driven entertainment mm-hmm. industry to be able to say, Oh, you, let's talk about this contract on the golf course. Uh, hmm. so I did pick, I tried to pick it up then. Um, but I have to be honest with you. And this is what I talk to my friends about now is the intimidation factor of golf for women initially is so big. And, though i tried my hand at it i never stuck with it because it wasn't the payoff wasn't there for me yet and then when i got the call for this movie i was like i could get paid to learn how to get (laughs) (laughs) this seems like the perfect match for me uh and i i loved it i poured my heart and soul into it i i bought a net for my backyard and started just amazing uh, practicing for three hours every day. Cause my co-star played at Yale. She was the first black woman to play at an Ivy league. And so I was like, I better up my game because I'm not going to look a fool on camera.
2: (laughs) Right. They can't just like pit you two against each other on screen and have you clearly be the, the novice in the, in the competition. And it's something that like, it's really interesting with golf. It's, well, you bring up a lot of good points that we need to dig into about the intimidation factor, but golf is something that you can't fake really, right? Like you need mm-hmm. to have a swing and people who do play golf can spot the bullshit a mile away. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on you to, as an actress to come in and say, okay, I need to like dial this thing in here. That's a lot of pressure now.
3: Yeah, it certainly was the first day on set. This was also my first film. I had done some commercials before, but. To be a lead oh, in wow. my first film was also a lot of pressure. Oh, uh, wow. And then to be like, now swing a 1950s club in front of everyone in the crew <laughs> <laughs>
4: <They're>
3: <laughs> and like in help. character. <laughs>
1: Just <laughs> yeah. piling it on. <laughs> yeah.
3: But, That's uh, wild. you know, what, what I found very, very interesting is how parallel golf and acting are in that the moment you start to think, you die. And for both of them, if you're in your head for acting or if you're in your head wow. for golf and you're overthinking all of the mechanics of either one of them, you're probably doing it wrong.
1: Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's fascinating. And just like Connor said, uh, the folks that know can spot the bullshit. Oh.
3: Have you ever seen the aviator with uh, Leo DiCaprio and mm-hmm. uh, Kate Blanchett is playing mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn, who was an epic golfer at back in the day? And Kate Blanchett is so bad. I actually watched it. Because my character is very Catherine Hepburn-esque in her, the way she carries herself. Mm. And Kate won an Oscar mm. for that. Well, the Academy doesn't know golf, clearly, because <laughs> golf swing in that movie is horrible.
1: Well, now you have to help us get Kate Blanchett on the podcast. Um, yeah. It's only right.
2: <laughs> we got we got to sort this out. Put Kate Blanchett on notice. (laughs) What else? What else did you like? What was your training regimen like? What did you do? What did you watch? What did you read? What did you listen to to get prepped for that kind of role?
3: I I became a bit obsessed, honestly. Uh, I had a great pro that was teaching me as well at at Atlantic City Golf Club. He was amazing. What we really focused on, honestly, was looking great. So (laughs) I ended up getting better at golf, but really my swing just looks phenomenal on camera. Mm. <laughs> um, so part of now that I've fell, fallen in love with golf, I'm like, okay, it looks great. Now, how do I actually make it? Great? <laughs> uh, but he, he was so great. I, I played voraciously I watched so many um Instagram accounts of swing breakdowns and I used mm. v1 sports uh app to compare my swing to pros and I flew down to Palm Beach and uh met with a pro there as well to to kind of dig in even deeper so I took it very seriously I I, I certainly wanted to honor the game of golf but also you know we're we're honoring Ann Gregory through this story and I didn't want you know she didn't, well, again, I can't ruin the film, but no spoiler alerts on this podcast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well,
1: I, as uh, as an actor myself, I appreciate the the approach. Um, you, you, you touched on a lot of important things, like people that are in the know in both acting and golf can spot it. And you, uh, it sounds like you approach your projects like you said, you, the word you used was voraciously. Um, mm-hmm. where else yeah. does that show up in your life? Cause I, I, I know you're from the Philadelphia area. So am I, yeah. uh, <laughs> actor golfer. So am I. I, I see a lot of parallels here. <laughs> um, but I yeah, no, want to dig into the prep a little bit. Like, like what, how else and where else in your life does that show up?
3: Uh, I think my friends and family would say everywhere. I'm kind of a like all or nothing <laughs> c- girl. <laughs> uh, so you're got from it. Philly. So I'm also a avid and enthusiastic Philly sports fan. <laughs> uh, oh, but I, well
1: that, that tells me a lot right there. We're, <laughs> we're very hard on ourselves. Yes. <laughs> we have a lot, we have a lot to hate, so we got to yes. put that energy into something.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think in my like life and and the detours or redirections my life has taken, uh, I grew up in and out of the hospital because I have cystic fibrosis. I kind of have had no choice but to constantly rework my path, uh, and so in order to do that, you have to be hundred percent committed to whatever you're doing, even if it shifts. Um, otherwise I would have just given up by now, you know, like I would have done something else and probably been very unhappy doing something else just cause this is my passion.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, I think it's just the way that I learned to survive honestly, as a kid, really.
2: Wow. When you're picking up something like golf, that mm-hmm. is, it's, it holds such a mirror to your personality It, it become, you, you really see how you react to success, how you react to failure. What did that really show you in your learning process about the game? And obviously one that's still very much in the works, very, very, like very much still happening right now. What has that shown you about yourself that you may maybe didn't know already about yourself or highlighted something that you knew was there, but maybe not to the extent you thought it it did?
3: It's funny because I think I've always thought of myself as a very impatient person because I, when I want something, I want it now. Like, so I always classify myself as an impatient person, but I want to correct that narrative for myself because learning the game of golf and continuing to stay committed to it has proven the opposite for me. I find myself to be giving myself a lot of grace, which I think golf demands of all of us every time we step on a tee, uh, like it's just, it's adamant that you have patience, uh, in the game of golf and understand that it's some days it's going to look very different than the others. So, yeah, I think that was one of the really surprising things for me. And I think through that, I've actually gained a lot of calm contentment in my life through this process. Mm.
2: I like that calm contentment.
0: That's really interesting that, that you, you talked about giving yourself grace on the golf course because that's, that's something that, that we talk a lot about here on the show is uh, compassionate golf and not being so hard on yourself and, you know, t- dropping an extra ball and, and hitting another one if, if it doesn't go the way you wanted the first time. And I think for for someone that like yourself that had a, a background in golf and then came back to it through through like work and through a job, I think that's really interesting that that's the the space that you're in, because I think so many people that are playing the go- the game are not compassionate to themselves and they don't give themselves grace and they beat themselves up mm. for 18 holes. So yeah, uh, we really appreciate hearing that.
3: Yeah. I think my friends that I try to, my female friends I try to get playing with me now, I, that's like the thing that I highlight for them because I think they think that they should be able to play 18, 18- off the bat and like when they can't and it's very frustrating um they want to quit and never pick up a club again and they don't understand that like it took everyone started there that and so giving yourself that time to you really really get acquainted with the game is so important
1: do you approach your performances the same way with grace because they're there is a lot of rehearsal. There is a lot of prep. There is a lot of studying, um, ruminating even. Um, and it doesn't always come naturally. Like some people have to work for a very long, like, and I, you you mentioned Kate Blanchett's performance Oscar nomination, congratulations to her. Uh, but it wasn't her best, you know, but now the work that she does is phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of hers. So like, performing acting, dancing, singing requires that of you as well. Um, and I, I, wonder about your, your, um, your artistic, uh, sensibilities and, and prep and study and all of that. Mm.
3: Yeah. Um, I think ego work is something that's so important in again, golf and the mm. entertainment world. <laughs> And so on on both ends of the spectrum, really, in that, I mean, not letting your ego get too big that you think that you can handle anything that comes your way and you're good and mm. uh, letting it get that way. And then also being so hard on yourself and so self-conscious because uh, both of those will get in your way at the end of the day. So it's constantly like being aware of. Really just having a a distinct self-awareness, I think, is really important. And I am and did grow up a very mm, passionate perfectionist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I would pick apart my performances after the fact often. But that takes the joy out of it really quickly. And this, while it's my work, has been my life's joy from the time I could talk. I was singing. So... uh, (laughs) I think once I started taking the joy out of it, I kind of stepped back and was like, oh, wait a second. I'm going to ruin this for myself if I don't, you know, cut myself some slack. And it's that constant Mm. game of like, would I ever say these things to my friend who would be doing this? And it's Mm, like mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. like, yeah, again, like giving yourself grace and being kind to yourself is so important.
1: You're your number one friend.
3: Yeah, you are know, you're, exactly. you're your first
1: best friend or, you know, that's, that's the way I like to look at it. Um, well, y- you talked a little bit about your childhood. Uh, I know you're a Philly sports fan. We are very extrinsically motivated. Uh, if the Eagles lose to the Cowboys on Sunday, it's a shitty week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so w- would you consider yourself extr like just organically as Julia extrinsically or Intrinsically motivated, and actually, I'll let you answer, but I have a follow up question.
3: You know, I actually think the shift for me happened this year because I started writing screenplays last year, and mm. it forced me to enjoy the process instead of the destination because I've been very mm. destination mm-hmm. driven my whole life, and certainly motivated by goals, but then finding myself achieving those goals and only being obsessed with what was next. And I was just on this hamster wheel of like, well, then when is it ever going to be enough? And I feel like this year I've really just come to sit in why I love what I do and get really comfortable loving what I do instead of loving what happens when I do it
2: yeah yeah that's a cool okay. distinction yeah. yeah
1: i i needed to hear that actually i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that answer. Yeah. falling in love with the process uh is super super important um getting comfortable with your why is super super important i i did just like a quick skim of your instagram before our our show tonight and you posted a photo of sydney poitier Uh, A while back. I I actually think it it was when he passed. Can you speak about what he meant to you and also who were some of your other early inspirations um, artistically, uh, athletically, uh, just in general?
3: Yeah. um, Well, Oprah was my like number one girl when I was little. I used to sprint home from the bus stop to watch her show. And that's she actually introduced me to Sydney. He was on her show often. They were great friends. And I ended up getting several of his books, um, especially the one that he wrote for letters to his granddaughter uh, is one that sits with me and one I always go back to. And I think why I'm drawn to people like Sydney or Oprah, um, I'm trying to think of others, but those are the ones that come to mind like immediately is it really touches on what I've been talking about really is like ego awareness and all of this, but also just like a sense of knowing who they are and being so absolutely comfortable and okay with who they are. And so the, the place from which they operate uh, is so character filled and authentic. And so I certainly grew up idolizing them and, and others like them that I felt knew wholeheartedly uh who they were and and you know jennifer garner comes to mind too i i look up to her a lot in this industry just for being who she is and sticking with that even though you know the times have changed and um people try to stay young forever but she's aging gracefully and and just like very assured mm. in herself
1: the standout performance of sydney poitier's career to me was uh guess who's coming to dinner yeah <laughs> Just, I just love guests going to dinner. So I love
3: to stir with love Timeless. too. I I I love it all.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's all. I mean, when you talked about character and just like the depth of their character, uh, the the two people that you named. I mean, that's what I think we're all drawn to. It's it's character. It's authenticity. It's it's realness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Something you know. We sincerity. Sincerity. Yeah. Gosh. So so many. Good nuggets that we're we're already having uh, twenty two <laughs> minutes into the show into the, the conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, these are that's what draws people. You know, that's mm-hmm. what brings people in. That's what that's what lets people behind the curtain. It's like, oh, yeah. this this is like really me. Um, mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And as far as acting goes, that's what makes the best performances for all of the uh, the negative. I guess that's subjective aspects of Denzel's character in training day.
2: <laughs> I
1: believe the fuck out of him, you know, yeah. like, damn, that dude, that's not Denzel. That dude is a piece of shit. That dude is a killer. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> She is a
1: dog. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we were drawn to that because it was real. It was authentic. Um, yeah. I just, I appreciate everything you said.
3: Thank you. Well, Sorry, you I'm just named one of my, over here. Oh, I locked mine out the door because I'd be too. But my uh, my Denzel and I share an alma mater. We both went to Fordham University. So you just mentioned another idol of mine. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) What really resonated with me with what you said earlier, Julia, was your growth from and shift in mindset away from goals into process. Falling in love with the why. Why am I doing this? What am I doing Mm -hmm. right now? Being more present. And what I've noticed in that process, in that shift of mindset, has not been that I've abolished goals from my life. It's just that the goals have changed. They're less objective. They're less tangible even. And they're, they're more, I want to be more of this or do more of this as opposed to reach X blank, and I'm wondering if if that identifies if, if, if you identify with that at all as well have your have your goals changed at all or, or or are you just not making them anymore?
3: I'm certainly still making them. I'm less attached to them as outcomes. I think is the way that I would phrase it now. Mm. And this is all very recent for me, honestly. Like this summer is when I feel like I've made this like mental breakthrough of yeah, also realizing when I look back, you know, I turned 30 this summer, maybe let's call it some 30 epiphany, 30 year old epiphany I had. But (laughs) I remember like looking back at my life and the moments where I would have been disappointed or or felt like I had shortcomings and made mistakes were moments where I was trying to force something to happen. And not just really to use a Philly reference, trusting the process. (laughs) Uh,
1: something we're going to have to do a lot of this year
3: (laughs) and so now I feel like I look back and I'm like oh and I I caution on saying this because it doesn't mean that you don't work hard and show up but when you work hard and show up the path unfolds and the steps uh, reveal Mm -hmm. themselves and when you're trying to force something and you want it so badly you know like I grew up with very big dreams from a very young age. I knew when I was six years old that I wanted to be on television. I would ask my mom, how do I get on Barney? You know, and I grew up with the (laughs) anti-stage parents. So they were like, no, you're going to be a child. We don't understand your desires, but like, we'll support (laughs) you. But no. Uh, And so I having that vision for my life from a very young age, I've had to like reconcile understanding that first of all, success in my industry on the upper level is so rare and Mm -hmm. editing what success actually means to me, because, you know, there are moments where I would grow up and think like, Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not a success yet because these things haven't happened for you. But then really Mm. kind of looking back, I was like, wow, I was so hard on myself when I was actually showing up and doing some really great things, and so I think right now I've just come to appreciate a different version of success that I didn't envision for myself. And weirdly, in this position now, I find I'm attracting other opportunities that mm. are are reflecting that. Um, I'm I'm a little bit woo woo manifesty and L A girl now, but. <laughs> <laughs> i do believe Aren't in this yeah <laughs> i do believe I in the it. ability to like attract it at all but only really when you begin to let go because when you hold something i actually just listened to oprah on a podcast and she said when you hold something too close you it's it's never going to be within reach and i just i felt that
2: mm. Mm. well we usually save this question for a little later in the show but i'm feeling a a natural segue here. And I'm really curious to hear your answer. We believe in the show a lot about time travel. We both in therapy and just in everyday life, having conversations with the younger self, um, Mm -hmm. and healing as a, as a means of doing that. And if you had the opportunity to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself, Mm -hmm. what do you think that conversation would look like during that round not necessarily the advice that you would give but just like what what would what would you talk about what do you what what do you imagine that conversation feeling like
3: Mm. you're actually reminding me I wrote a song for my younger self years ago that I have to revisit now that you just mentioned this I'm like I wrote this (laughs) song and I never finished it Uh, uh and it was actually after a therapy session where I was talking to my younger self and I was just like, what if, what if we did do that more as a society and understood that mm. this, this mm-hmm. compassion we should have for our younger selves. I think if I played with my younger self, um, I would be so gentle and mm. celebrate the small wins, you know, like, and, and, make sure that she understood that that was okay to do. I
4: love
2: that. Wow. That's super powerful. Making it known that it is okay to celebrate small victories. Yeah. Yeah. Can go a huge, huge distance for a, for a (laughs) child for sure. And specifically a a creative child. Right. Cause
1: Yeah. I mean, you're a kid. Your mind wanders. You you try stuff. You doodle. You sing wild, crazy songs that make no yeah. sense. Or sometimes they maybe do. But like, yo, you wrote a song. Yeah. That's awesome. D- does it right. does it make you happy when you, when you listen to it? Does it make you happy when you when you write about it? Like, those right. things yeah. are so important. Um, something something we literally can all use.
0: That's so yeah. in line with trusting the process and and enjoying enjoying the process too, because as the four of us are all creative people, um, in different spaces, but if, if you're not creating for yourself first, I think that when you put it out there, people can see, they can see that, that you're not being, you know, authentic to yourself. And even though you think you might be at the time, um, if you're not loving what you're doing just for you, um, you know, when you put it Mm. out into the world, it's, you know, it's kind of like when Connor was talking about golf as a mirror, it's, a uh, you're reflecting what you're, what you're putting out there. So it's, I, I like, I like talk thinking about enjoying the small victories and wins as a child, because when, when you're a kid, you, you know, you think the world is such a big place and you can do anything. Um, and it's really hard to like sometimes focus that energy and that creativity. Um, and, and you think like, if I'm not on TV or if I'm not, you know, a top 10 billboard charts for music. It's like, am I, am I doing anything good? But if, if you're not doing it for yourself and, and, and writing that song and completing it, you know, that's, I really like that.
3: Yeah. There's so much rejection in this world already, then why would we waste time rejecting Uh ourselves? You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, um, if you can recall one of the smaller wins from childhood, what what would be one that you would celebrate with your younger self right now?
3: I think just having the courage to pursue my dreams, really, you know, rejection is such a big part of of this industry. and And you put yourself out there in such a big way when you walk into an audition room and you're so vulnerable. And I think I would have understood that more. I was so emotional. I mean, I am so emotional. And I remember I was going up to New York city for a Broadway audition and I, had a, I got a call back and I didn't make the next round. And I came out, I was seven and I was sobbing. And m- my mom was like, we never have to do this again. Really, I think she was would be thrilled if we never did it again. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, I I want to. Uh, and
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I think yeah. had I celebrated just getting up there as a little kid and doing that mm-hmm. and going into a room alone as a little 7-year-old and singing my butt off and getting the call back and and appreciating that for what it is instead of just like the gold star of the part right mm-hmm. i think that would have yeah. been a, a small win that i would go back and and celebrate for myself for sure
1: even That's even you answer. retelling that though it sounds like you understood the process yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you were sad. You didn't, you didn't get the part, but you're like in the midst of your tears. You're like, no, I want to, I, I need to feel this again. Yeah. At the yeah. tender age of seven, you were like, this ain't going to be my last callback, ma. You can't, don't, don't, <laughs>
2: yeah. don't do me like this. I got my one bomb out of the way. Right, right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I look at it as a kid obsessed. I was just like, must get another audition.
4: <laughs> yes i think the the one
0: the one good thing about being a kid is uh a lot of times you don't look at the world in like uh i'm gonna enjoy the process of you like everything's very black and white when you're a kid it's like i did it or i didn't do it and i think that's you know sometimes why like you look at gymnast or gymnasts and it's like they're like 12 years old competing in the olympics and it's like you know they don't they don't one they're not like when you get older you have like wisdom and, and hindsight and all that good stuff and you can realize like I'm gonna enjoy the process but when you're young it's just like you're just you're going and it's just it's all or nothing so sometimes that like really works out for you but then also when yeah. you get older you you know you hit you hit the big three O, and then you're like oh like I should just have enjoyed that whole process versus just I I did it or I didn't do it
3: yeah. So good. It, it, it's not reminding me of this like full circle moment in life of like, you're blissfully unaware and not self-conscious as a child because you don't know that people are judgmental yet or that the world <laughs> right, is judgmental yeah. and harsh. And then, you know, you get knocked down by whatever it is over and over again. And, and you start to build these walls of protection and I feel like this this like breakthrough that I've had recently is like tearing down those walls and just like doing it for me again and doing it for the love of it and the joy and the process. Yeah. So great point. I think I think it has a lot to do with like the seeing life through the eyes of a child. That's why I think when people have a kid, they like start to understand that, too.
2: crux of the film that you're in right now Mm -hmm. deals with a world that was not very kind um, Mm -hmm. to a lot of people to women to black women to black people in general and that again is another layer of pressure I'm sure on on you and the whole cast and the whole crew and and everybody making the film to really tell that story sensitively Mm -hmm. and can you speak a little bit about that like how you approached playing this role in a time that was so specific with a subject matter that was so specific and talking about like breaking barriers in general.
3: Yeah. One of the really special parts of this process was uh, Andia, my co-star and I, were invited uh, early on in in pre-production to really sit down and dissect the script and add our insight as women Uh, because it was written by a a white man. And uh, Mm. we were able to take our scenes and many of my scenes deal with the sexist aspect of this film and her scenes obviously deal with the race aspect. And we were able to walk through and really insert our voices and what we believed these women might have said back in the 1950s uh, when they were facing you know, unfortunately the sad thing for both of us, as we were doing this practice and, and process was not much has changed for either one of those things. When you like really mm-hmm. think about the conversations we were having with, um, whether it's my character and her husband or, um, Anne and everyone um, in this film, it, it's like, we could all imagine those conversations happening today. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the, the timeliness and and the relevance of this story is, is unfortunate, but only makes it something that I feel like really needs to be seen all the more. So.
1: That's something I really appreciate about period pieces. Like uh, you're telling a story from, you know, uh, maybe our parents' childhood or our grandparents, uh, you know, in their, their teens, twenties, adulthood. Um, But all of it is so, so relevant and yes aesthetically you might see older wardrobe or older cars or older golf clubs um but the conversations the through lines are current yeah. mm-hmm. and it's it's like I personally like when i see period pieces that deal with racism specifically like slave movies and mm-hmm. I, obviously i know this is not a slave movie but like Uh, there there's like 90% of me is like, I don't need, I don't need to see this again. Like we've seen this story told over and over. It's the same. We understand the shit was bad, but then a movie like this comes along and it's relevant right now. Golf Mm -hmm. is bigger than it has ever been. Uh, Mm -hmm. Conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion um, are, are so, so important. Um, Mm -hmm. So just personally, like I look forward to hearing the conversations that your character has with Anne. Like that yeah. uh in, in the golf context, um yeah. I I pride myself on standing firmly in my blackness, especially in the golf space. I try and take up space, I try and speak unapologetically. Um, mm-hmm. but there's never that's that's never been um thrust to like the the masses, you know. Like mm-hmm. I do what I can from like Instagram, but like Something as big as a film that juggles all these topics is so so enticing to me, and I'm like I'm chomping. I, I even yeah. emailed Curtis. I was like, "Yo, let me get a let me get an early cut." Like I'm trying to a pre-screen. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, I
2: know we didn't we didn't get the advanced screening ahead we of this recording. <laughs> what the hell? So, Julia, we need to pull you, we need we need you to pull some strings.
3: <laughs> well, just send me Dropbox. Might- there might be a screening in L.A. in the fall, maybe. So maybe you guys will have to come to <laughs> that. But <laughs> but Say actually, less. yeah, <laughs> something you said just now <laughs> reminded me of of an epiphany I had in watching the film um, more times than I would like to, only because it's not always fun watching yourself over and over again. Uh, but uh you said you mentioned being black and and wanting to take up space right and i i think something mm-hmm. that's so apparent to me in this film watching these these female characters take on the barriers that they're trying to break down and my character is so afraid of taking up space uh in a lot of ways because she really mm-hmm. has never been like held feet to the fire in the way that mm-hmm. Anne Gregory mm-hmm. was every single day. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there right. was
3: no other way for Anne to operate other than I'm going to take up space. I am here. I'm going to do this my way. Right. And and be so strong and empowered and standing in that truth for herself. Cause that was the choice for her. And mm-hmm. my character as a white woman was living a very comfortable life. And, in this movie, you'll see how her experience with Anne and, and watching her, uh, really changes her and, and it affects how she ends up, um, changing in the film. And it, it is to me, probably the most beautiful part of, of watching the film is seeing how, uh, Anne changes Babs, my character in the long run.
2: I love it. Yeah. And how did it change you?
3: I've never really been risk averse. I can't say that in my life. I'm not scared of taking risks, but I think I second guessed a lot of the risks that I took a lot when I was younger. And mm. now I see moments where I've taken risks recently in a uh, in a work situation. I took a big risk, and I just was like, you know what? If this pans out, not going the way that I ent- I want it to go it was still worth it in the end because I'll get the answer that I deserved and wanted to know anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I think I, (laughs) I learned through Babs and Anne and and getting to know these characters and and live with them is that if you don't stick up for yourself and you don't go for what you want, then what's the point at the end of the day, you know?
2: Love that. Congratulations. Thanks. that's a victory I yeah
3: think. yeah yeah small wins guys
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah one that deserves to be big celebrated wins. it might yeah. be a huge win it right. might be
0: a big win who knows that's <laughs> true yeah. we're we're definitely we're definitely team shoot your shot you know you gotta you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take so
3: <laughs> totally yeah
2: mike michael scott michael scott <laughs> wayne gretzky <laughs> <Yes. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh. Well, I think we should dive into some of our meat and potatoes. Cool. I'm excited to hear this one from you as somebody who's relatively new to golf and has experienced it largely on set. Um, what are some of your favorite golf smells?
3: Ooh, I'm an early morning golfer. So I do love the like fresh dew scent that you get when you're mm-hmm. like a 6 a.m. tea time. hmm. But really, I think my favorite is getting a new golf glove and like that leather smell. Like if it's in one of those
4: yes, sipped
3: yes. up sealed c- packages, then you yes. open it and you're just like, mm, yeah,
0: <laughs> bottle of that's that good up. stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that Cabretta truly really is. <laughs> I love that. As a, a a performer, you know, music runs through your veins. It's in your body. You you know it's, it's the heartbeat of, of what you do as a performer. Um, so let's say you, uh, what's, what's your favorite course to play in LA?
3: Um, you know what? I, I only play the public courses. I've only played the public courses so far, but my favorite course, I'm, I'm kind of partial (laughs) because I met my boyfriend playing golf at Penmar in Venice.
2: (laughs) Oh, love it. What? What? That's amazing.
3: (laughs) So yeah, that's my boyfriend playing golf. That's I re- did, connection. I did, and talk about like learning about each other's uh, personality traits very quickly. Uh, oh yeah, Huge. yeah,
2: crazy, great. yeah, great first date. Yeah, we were we were, we were excellent stuck. first date.
3: Yeah, we were paired up at Penmar randomly, and so I'm sentimentally attached to Penmar.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that's that. <laughs> okay, well, something I happen to know about Penmar, um, there, there's some stiff competition there, but. We're going to assume you win the Penmar Open, right? <laughs> it, it, the fanfare, ticker tape parade, the whole thing is okay. in your honor. You're defending your championship.
3: Okay.
1: And as you walk up to the first tee, sorry, I, I, I think I I, uh, I muddled two of our questions. I did. Yeah, That's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Go, do a bang bang. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> we'll go all back to right, back.
1: All right, we'll <laughs> yeah, right, go back to back. One of y'all take the other one, though. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you're walking up to the first tee at Penmar. Mm-hmm. What is the song that is playing in the speakers as you're about to tee off?
3: okay this is gonna sound really basic but i have to i'm i'm gonna preface it with as a recording artist and writer and obsessed with music production uptown funk to me is like will go down as our generation's number one produced song it's so good and nothing pumps me up like it it's it never gets old it's just that song for me so uptown funk and i worship bruno mars (laughs)
2: Ronson ate that one up. We're adding that to the walk-up playlist. Woo! Yeah, that's a good
1: one. It, it belongs on there too. It does a good one. It absolutely belongs in there. I love it. Bruno Mars got slaps. Um,
0: okay, to 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 go off of Brad's. Initial question. Twofer. <laughs> yeah, twofer. I, I, I bungled uh, that one. Yeah, my yeah. Bad job. Well, you, you you started off so strong, Brad, and then I and did, then I saw it, I did, and then it. I saw you, I saw you divert. <laughs> there's a fork in the road, and then you took the other fork, and then I was like, "Is did he forget his original question?" <laughs> uh, so so you're at the Penmar. You won you won the open um, after they played Uptown Funk. That got you into the the mood, and and you just totally you know you played out of your mind that day. Mm-hmm. You come back next year you get the championship dinner in your honor and you get to pick the entire spread. What is on your champions dinner menu?
3: This is hard for me. Cause I'm a foodie. Like at heart, I really am. I'm obsessed with food. There uh, so there would be several courses. Uh, I love Mexican. So I'd start with like some guac queso, like appetizer theme, but then I'd have my mom cook because she is hands down the best cook that I know. And I would have her prime rib, her mac and cheese that she hand shreds the Gouda and all that good stuff. Mm. Uh, and then I'd have to have two desserts because I love sweets and they would be cheesecake and like a warm brownie or cookie with ice cream. So,
0: oh yeah. bury, bury me in that.
3: I eat light, guys. That main
2: course is a Philly ass meal. <laughs> prime yeah. rib and mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a that's a Philly ass meal. Go watch the birds and yeah. eat some fucking prime. <laughs> eat some <rib>. roast
4: beef. <laughs> yeah, and, yo, uh, and, and
1: honestly, like we love mom's home cooking on this show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: you're not the first it, person it, to, to say mom's cooking. Yeah, we, yeah. we
1: don't need it catered from Nobu. We don't need it no. some, from Mastros. We want we want the authentic. Exactly. Give us what you want. Mom's home yeah. is the
2: red sauce, mom's right. spaghetti. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, Julia, how do you, how do you arrive to the golf course? What is your parking lot ritual? Like when you're rolling <laughs> up for that 6 a.m. tea time, That's early. how early are you getting there? What do you like, do you, do you have any music playing in the car? Do you, you pump up self-talk in the, in the rear view mirror? What, what, do you, how do you, re, how do you arrive?
3: Oh yeah. Uh, I, when I moved back to LA cause I moved here when I was 17 and then this round was my second round. I promised myself, I'd get myself a convertible. And so I have a drop For top. Got it. <laughs> so I a, yeah. I have a drop top Let's playlist. <laughs> so that is Come always listen. playing. And the drop top playlist is nothing but banger after banger. So that's definitely Ooh. playing on my way to the golf course. Okay, pump you, up!
2: You're going to have to share get the that. blood pump. Share the link.
3: I'll, I'll the happily link. share the link. My music taste is so eclectic that it goes from like the Eagles to Dr. Dre to the Spice Girls. So, but we'll happily I'm share here for all that. If <laughs> we we'll put it in the, the show cool. notes, yeah, great.
2: We're in the uh, internet age. We, we're, we we span genre. Yeah, yeah, Good. we contain multitude. It's fine.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely playing, and I, you know. I don't know i really don't i don't like to psych myself out when i'm like getting ready to play so i don't think too hard about my pre-tea time ritual because then i think i would become too in my head if that makes sense
2: so you keep it keep it calm keep it casual
3: yes yes exactly. understated less pressure less pressure, less pressure. <laughs> yeah
1: I, I don't know if we've asked this one on the pod but what's in your pockets when you play
3: oh um uh, my favorite teas usually, which are just random teas that my dad gives me. I'm like such a daddy's girl. And now that we're now that we have like golf in common again, um, that's always a thing. Uh, and maybe maybe some gum. I don't know. I'm I'm such a I'm I am a gum chewer. I should probably stop. But I can't help myself. It's also like probably a nervous habit on the course. But
2: why should you stop? Is gum bad for you? Or we we Canceled gum? I- Is gum done? <laughs> canceled.
1: I think it you, you swallow a lot of air when you when you chew gums. Oh
2: come on. Yeah,
1: no, I don't subscribe I don't subscribe to it cuz <laughs> truly Mandy's lack of chewing gum is why I don't chew gum anymore, but I was I was dentine ice out. Mm. Ice me out. Give me the, the dark Iced blue out. pack. We're, We're sticking
2: with the <laughs> yeah. that's, that's actually that's actually an interesting thought. Like, what what type of gum you choose says a lot about who you are as a person. Yeah, it's like,
3: true. That's one you, of your questions so now.
2: It, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. What? So, what what kind of gum are you rocking with? Are you a brand loyalist or I am? A Trident? Are you, okay, wait, uh,
3: I'm a Trident white. Bubba, bubba.
2: Yeah. Hubba.
3: <laughs> oh my! Goodness. Only when I'm going. That that,
0: oh that that is bad for you. I, I think. <laughs>
2: actively bad yeah so trident trident white
3: trident white spearmint i love i'm a spearmint sucker for spearmint which i know is rare but i don't care i love it yeah spearmint spearmint slaps yeah lifesaver the white
1: spearmint got
0: the
3: eclipse spearmint right
2: here that's
3: what i'm talking about
2: fresh pot
1: <laughs> if you if you tell me juicy fruit automatically you to you ops we gotta cancel you oh, red flag juicy Man, fruit no. red flag it is it is is from, is, like, it are you a child
2: from 1950 yeah. <laughs> yeah immediately <laughs> right, right. it's it's a second it's second worst to that zebra print gum do you guys remember oh, that yeah wow that, that, that you know was that. That
0: was the zebra it's gum the and wow. juicy fruit were like the same it was like two seconds of of
2: goodness and then yeah and then you, like, 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 you smell the piece of gum it would lose its flavor yeah. yeah i
1: just got the 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 feeling like when you when you have like too much gin you know and you're like i can't do gin anymore you smell it again and it's like Hook. that's what i got when you, when you mentioned the zebra gum yeah I, did you did you od as a kid i od'd on, on zebra gum once i yeah me yeah. and my buddy started well, uh, you the candy tough. you needed to
0: have that many uh, Tough.
1: <laughs> we started the candy club at our church and we just went around to like, you know, old, older people and like, hey, uh, can you donate to the candy club? It's it's for a good cause. And uh, one of the one of the ministers was like, hey, I, I just got this this zebra guy. It's just sitting in my car. You guys want that? We went ape. On them, on them damn zebra gums. It was so bad, and I was probably nine at the time, and I never chewed that gum ever again.
0: Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> it's because you needed to have a, a, an entire pack to enjoy like twenty minutes of of flavor. That's why you you had yeah. to keep, yeah. you
2: had to keep downing it. Yes. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that gum hasn't been canceled. No, I, I wanted, we're not canceling I'm, gum. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna research that later. Just, I mean, I'm sure it has been. I'm sure it has been. But that's great. Um, I got one. Maybe
1: it happened on set. Maybe it happened mm. with your boyfriend at Penmar. Maybe it happened uh, on course with your dad, either as an adult or when you were younger. But if you can recall the time on the golf course that you laughed the hardest.
3: Oh, um, to come to mind for very different reasons. Um, should I tell both or just choose one? Uh, I, on, on, yeah, run them. Okay. So on set, um, one day it was a a short scene that we were just trying to get like right away through. And someone asked recently, like, Oh, are you shooting all of your own shots? And, and for the most part, yes. Like sometimes we would not be hitting a ball, uh, just because they, for safety reasons, we couldn't do it. (sighs) But uh, one of these shots, they needed to get me missing a putt and it was a 25 foot putt. And wouldn't you know that I kept sinking this every take like oh
2: god five That's takes awesome in That's a row. fucking brilliant i love that
3: and everyone was laughing because i just kept ruining every take and I, they were like can you just?" they're like all right now just try to miss like stop actually trying like i was like i'm not trying i truly am not trying uh,
2: so that was Julia hilarious. Wright fired from movie for being too good at golf <laughs> you're right, you're right. You mind
3: you I have not much. made a 25 foot putt since but um And then one that was the day that I met my boyfriend, uh, we had the push cart. I had a push cart at Penmar and I was focused on, I guess, flirting too much that as I was going up a little hill, uh, (laughs) talking, my, (laughs) my bag just rolled right down the hill and off the push cart. And I just laughed hilarious hysterically. I was like, what else? Yeah. What else is there (laughs) to do at that? point? But laugh and actually he says that was the moment where he was like, I could date this girl because she just rolled with the punches and went with it. So, yeah, that was a pretty hard laugh.
2: That's lovely. Very embarrassing, too, because
3: who who does that? But me.
2: (laughs) Well, you stuck the landing, clearly. So that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's let's finish with our uh, our moment of clarity. Drew, do you have your cards handy? Better believe it. Wow. Amazing. So, Julia, um, this podcast is very graciously sponsored by the good folks at BetterHelp, which is an online therapy platform that the three of us trust very, very dearly. This is our BetterHelp Moment of Clarity segment in which Drew will pick from a handful of 72 intention cards. Each card has a word, a phrase, a feeling, an emotion written on the card, and he'll pick a random one. And then you'll get some time to reflect on how that card is fitting into your life right now. Okay. All right. Love that. Today's card. Drew, what do we got? We've
0: got wisdom.
3: I think I've been talking a lot about the epiphanies I've been having lately. And I feel like I could attribute that to wisdom, like life's wisdom and like coming into my own. And I think it feels good to honor that, actually. I really like that word and, and moment so thank you
2: well I'm glad we've we've had the space for you to honor your wisdom this evening because um, <laughs> that is very important to do celebrate the wins celebrate the wisdom
3: yeah love it guys this is so enjoyable I love chatting with you guys yeah, the feeling is
2: mutual yeah we, we got to figure out a time to A watch the movie yes. and B get on the golf course
3: well it's mm-hmm. actually Penmar, Pen- Penmar that wants to do the screening so Stop you guys playing. might have to I swear, yeah. We're, we're coming. Coming. Actually, okay. we're you guys heard it here first. I haven't re- released that publicly yet. But yeah, they're they're oh, trying to sort out Breaking news. A, fall, a fall screening. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we're
0: going to be in L.A. in the fall, so we might have to. Yes. And I live be, here. Well, so and Brad lives. Brad, Brad's in L.A. I'm
1: pulling
3: Love up. It. Love it. Be there. <laughs> Perfect.
4: Perfect. <laughs>